white-tailed deer, the number one big game animal in North America. Elusive, adaptive, majestic. They're our passion, our obsession. Welcome to the Stay Afflicted podcast by Whitetail OCD. Here's your host, Eric Hall. All right, welcome to the Stay Afflicted podcast by Whitetail OCD. I'm your host, Eric Hall. Today, I want to share with you some facts and figures that I just came across that really have changed my outlook on what hunting means not only to the economy, but also to conservation. I knew it had an impact on the conservation. Hunters are conservationists. We know that, but we don't really a lot of times see just how deeply we impact that. But what I really was surprised by is the overall impact that we have on the economy as a whole. And it's that that is huge. I started thinking about this because personally I was looking at what I spend myself and I think, man, I spend a lot of money to do what I like to do. I'm not sorry for it. I'm not apologizing for it. I don't regret it. I take a look at what I spend. I got go to Arkansas. I buy my sons and my licenses and tags, firearms, ammunition, archery tackle, stands, clothing processing it adds up and it adds up fast again i'm not going to apologize for it but it got me thinking i wonder what people spend i wonder what people spend every year is there some place i can go to look see that information surely there had to be so i went online quick web search and i came across hunting in america an economic force for conservation this is a publication produced by the national shooting sports foundation and it took me way down the rabbit hole. Let's start off with the simple one, right? According to this 2018 edition, hunters spending generates more than $185 million per day. Let me say that again. Hunter spending generates more than $185 million a day. Oh my. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. That threw me back. But then I read further. In 2016, Hunter spent a total of $27.1 billion. That includes $7.1 billion on equipment and $3.2 billion on travel. If the hunting industry were a single company, in 2016 it would have ranked number 104 on the Fortune 500 list. The $5.3 billion in federal taxes collected from hunting purchases could have provided Social Security benefits to nearly 325,000 retired workers in 2016. Hunter spending supports 525,000 jobs, including $21.5 billion in salaries and wages. Spending by hunters generates $3.4 billion in state and local taxes or enough to pay the salaries of 48,300 registered nurses or 53,700 police officers. This was great. I was interested, but I needed to know more. Like I said, I was down the rabbit hole on this one. So I pulled up Realtree's website, and they were working off the same report by the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and I found out the following. Spending in 2016... $5.9 billion in equipment, limited to firearms, archery, and ammunition. $3.1 billion on trips. 
$638 million on clothing, $256 million on licenses. $2,363 per person average in retail purchases. $184 average for every hunting trip. Then I tried to get more granular. I decided to take a look at the, my home state of Ohio. I found the Hunting Works for Ohio website, and on there they broke down what happens in my home state. $854 million spent annually. 553,000 people hunt in Ohio each year. Of those hunters, 37,000 are from out of state. Ohio hunters spend $321 million on tripulated expenditures. Hunters in Ohio spend $274 million on hunting equipment. Each hunter spends an average of $1,400 a year in the state of Ohio. Hunter spending translates into $490 million in salaries and wages. Ohio sports more than 20,000 jobs just through hunting alone. Hunters generate $97 million in state and local taxes. That translates into $1.4 billion and a ripple effect to just our Ohio economy. You know, those are staggering numbers. Like I told you before, I was completely blown away. It was like a flood when I started reading this, and, and everything just kept pouring in. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of geeked out on it a little bit. I love to see the fact that hunting draws so many good things and is so important, not only to us sportsmen and sportswomen, but also the economy. And, you know, but then I got to thinking, you know, that's really great, but someone's going to be skeptical. Someone's going to say, well, you, every place you found that information came from within hunting industry, and all that data was sourced through the National Shooting Sports Foundation, so, so obviously those numbers are going to have to be slanted to support their agenda. Well, to try to find an unbiased opinion and an unbiased look, I turned to the Bureau of Economic Analysis for some additional insight and found this. In the latest report on their website, data from 2016, hunting, shooting, trapping accounted for $15.4 billion of the U.S. gross domestic product, or GDP. Let's give some perspective on what that $15.4 billion really equates to. $15.4 billion is equal to or higher than the total budget for 16 states including Hawaii, West Virginia, North and South Dakota, Montana, and Maine. We'll be back after a short break. You know, it's comforting to know that we're influencing the economy, we're helping the economy. It's really nice to know that, but what's even better when we see how that money we spend impacts conservation. It impacts conservation through what's called the Pittman-Robertson Act, and that was imparted in 1937 because of unregulated hunting. They were no laws. There were no regulations. There were no bag limits or anything like that. And because of that, our wildlife suffered. A lot of our species were in dire straits because of that. Species like white-tailed deer, wild turkey, and elk, they were all in dire straits because of over-harvesting and zero regulation. Well, the firearms and ammunition manufacturers decided, hey, you know what, we're going to go to Congress. We are going to suggest that we impose a tax on certain sporting items so that we can help curb this trend. They knew it was going to be a problem, and they were going to go to Congress and try to get something done. Well, 
that came out of that was what's known as the Pittman-Robertson Act. And that act is an excise tax on certain sporting equipment. And what that does is it creates a direct line to conservation from the end user. And the Pittman-Robertson legislation warranted that season and bag limits be put into place as well as earmark that tax revenue that we were discussing on certain sporting equipment and goods go into a fund established to support all wildlife conservation. Things like monarch butterflies have benefited from that and uh, many, many other species. Today, that tax is collected by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and put into a fund called the Wildlife Restoration Trust Fund. Those funds are made available to the states the year after they're collected and earmarked for only certain things. What are they earmarked for? Well, conservation projects, hunter education, opening and maintaining public access, and funding critical management research projects. That all comes out of those Pittman-Robertson dollars. Pittman-Robertson has collected $12.5 billion since inception, an average of $752 million per year. As we noted earlier, we sportsmen and women we're willing to spend money to enjoy our pastime. Does that $15.4 billion in GDP ring any bells? As we spend, that money goes into Pittman-Robertson and continues to support our passion and preserve our heritage, which is our wildlife. It's a critical cycle that's repeated over and over and over. The really nice thing is many folks benefit, right? It's not just the sportsmen and women. People that don't hunt, People that don't uh, trap, shoot, still benefit because they have access. People like hikers, naturalists, bird and game watchers, photographers, and even more. We're all benefiting by this sportsman-driven conservation model that opens up access and has brought back many of the species from dangerously low levels to now thriving populations, including, again, many non-game species. Pittman-Robertson, through this program, through these funds, we're able to open up opportunity for non-sportsmen and women, but it's actually funded by the sportsmen and women. And honestly, being a sportsman, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that trade-off. So how well does this work, right? How well has Pittman-Robertson conservation efforts worked? Let's consider these facts from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. In 1907, only 41,000 elk remained in North America. Today, there are over 1 million, including the reintroduction of elk into states such as Pennsylvania. In 1900, we had less than 500,000 deer in North America. Currently, those populations have rebounded to 32 million today. Wild turkey were scarce. There were only 100,000 in 1900. And now our population is over 700 million. The pronghorn antelope, those populations are over 1.1 million today. And that's a far cry from where they were in 1950 at only 12,000 animals. Populations are thriving thanks to the conservation efforts driven by the end user, the sportsman, through the Pittman-Robertson funding. What does this all mean? Why am I rambling on? Why do you care? Well, the short answer is this. We sportsmen and women, we need to be proud of where our dollars are going. I'm not saying we should change. I'm not saying you need to change. You need to spend more money. That's not what I'm saying. You do your hunt your way, right? 
just know that any money we are putting in is doing good things. We're driving, one, the economy, and two, we're supporting wildlife conservation. Whether that be stopping and getting that morning coffee and filling the tank, getting a donut, whatever you're doing on your way to your wet stand, or buying that new bow, the new boots, taking a trip, spending uh, the night in a hotel while you're out of town. It all counts, right? It all counts. We're all doing our part by participating each and every year when we enter the woods. I laugh many times as I'm thinking about this because it reminds me of that meme that's been circulated on social media. You know the one that says, my biggest fear is when I die, my wife will actually sell my gear for what I told her I paid for it. I hope not. Hunter spend, everyone wins, especially the wildlife in North America. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and comment on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also on our website at whitetailocd.com. Again, thank you for joining me today and stay afflicted with Whitetail OCD.